The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome to Data Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be brave, and be fearless, let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Today's guest is Ben Smithy. He's the CEO of the Smithy Group, which is a digital marketing agency company based here in New York City. Welcome. Time to welcome this week's data guru. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining me. I remember and seeing you everywhere about five years ago in the research space, talking <laughs> about millennials and your passion just came through. And I, what I was so impressed with, you never had slides. You just talked. It, <laughs> it came from your knowledge base. So what is your company about and what do you do today? Yeah, so we're a full service digital marketing agency. We focus a lot on small and medium businesses, but then we still do back in our roots and uh, consumer intelligence and insights work for large enterprise companies. A lot of our work focuses in the luxury brands. We do a lot in the jewelry industry, which is obviously very, very fun and it's yes. marketer's dream. But our background and sort of pedigree is very much founded in research and analytics and from the good old days. And now we're just taking those learnings and those sort of understanding of how consumer behavior works and applying it to brand strategy marketing strategy, launching brands, and social marketing and advertising. Well, it's a lot of fun when you actually get the results and you can execute on those results. Yeah, that's that's what's cool. I think that was the biggest impetus for uh, when I started this company to go into the executional piece of it, not just the research piece. I would suggest any marketers, so if I had children and by the time they became of age to go into business and they wanted to go into marketing, I would highly suggest they start in research because just the fundamentals and learning you know, consumer insights, consumer behavior, solid research skills, it makes you so much more effective and efficient as a marketer. Totally agree. And just being able to navigate those decisions based on some facts and figures versus a lot of gut instinct or sometimes politics. Absolutely. Is research an integral part of when you launch your digital marketing campaigns? Do you typically have research that kind of supports that? 100%. So everything we do starts with digital brand assessment and we're looking at where the brand is or where it could be for launching something where the white space would be, how it needs to be talked about, what the voice needs to be, um, the audience, understanding audience segmentation, all of those pieces. Back in the day, (laughs) to do an A-B test on creative or messaging or things like that, you went and you took things to focus group or online survey or X, Y, and Z. Now we launch and we kind of pivot quickly and we, we learn and test and repeat live in the field with you know Facebook and Instagram ads. We can run two ads and put 20 bucks on them each for a day, three to five days, have real analytical results on what's moving the needle, what messaging is working better, what visuals working better, what call to actions look working better to get people to site, clicking the site and where it works throughout the digital funnel. That's really cool. So you're not, because when you're working with small, medium sized businesses, they don't have large research budgets. No, they couldn't say. afford forty, fifty thousand $50,000 to do a, a small qual project. They definitely couldn't afford something to do sort of a market landscape assessment or a brand tracker or something of that nature. It's just not feasible. So they, but they still need good data, but now they also don't have time. They're wanting to pivot and move quickly. So Mm -hmm. to be able to do some of that testing 
in real time is awesome. And I, so that's why I'm thankful for sort of the background in millennial research, which obviously led us to digital and being that trusted partner. So it's been awesome. Any concerns about using social media platforms for research? Do you ever worry that it's biased in any way or based on your millennial research, your population is basically on social. And so you're getting a good representation. I feel like on re- in research, we spend a lot of time traditionally looking for the exception to the rule versus saying, where can I go after the 80% of the customers that are going to give me everything that I need? So instead, startups, as they go, they've just been forced to be nimble and get to market. When they're venture backed or they have investment backing, they don't have the time to wait. and They need to get to market. They need to get users. And they're smart and they're scrappy. And they say, you know what? I don't need some statistics significant number. I need real-time data and we can pivot as we go. If I launch something and I need to tweak verbiage on something in the digital space, I didn't buy into a quarter's worth of print ads and placement. I, I sat there and I said, I'll place it now and I can take it down in an hour. What's interesting is consumers that are not marketers nor researchers are real-time testing as you go. If you look at how teenagers use Instagram today, they're posting a photo waiting to see how many likes they get. And if they don't get it in the first 30 minutes, they're taking it down and putting something else up. So true. You're absolutely right. I never even thought of it that way. They're doing their own research. Yeah. And I think it it leads to sort of a a bigger discussion. And one of the platforms, I'll give you even a preview, some of the new platforms that I'm speaking on in terms of conferences and the speaking Uh circuit, something I call marketing in the moment and not for the moment. Back in the day, PNG coined the whole um, moment of truth, first exposure, all of that. And then a few years ago, uh, maybe 2010, 2011, Google did the zero moment of truth, right? Well, I think there's a new shift and I think it's called in the moment of truth marketing. So marketing in the moment and not for the moment. Historically, based on consumption patterns, people were consuming data, consuming things, consuming uh, media at a very programmatic time period. So marketers and brands controlled when you were consuming a message, when you were consuming that content, the environment in which you were consuming that content, meaning I'm going to put it in TV, you're going to hear it and see it in TV. Today, everything is so cross-platform, cross-everything, omni-channel, marketers, we don't really control that. I may play something on TV, but I see it live streamed on Facebook from someone else, or I see a screenshot of it or a meme of it or something like that on a, on a mobile device. So because consumption has changed, as marketers and advertisers, historically, we were priming people for that moment of purchase or decision-making. So we were trying to prime their minds and, and make sure that we were top of mind in that next moment of purchase or that decision. But today, because the shortened lead times of decision-making, I'll give you another example. If you think about today, how soon you buy a gift for any certain occasion or an event, right? Right. And you think about how much closer to the event that is than it was 10 years ago. 100%, yes. You know, we have overnight shipping, one touch, add to cart, buy, all these things. So when you, one touch checkout is the word I was going for. (laughs) Um, When you look at that, all of these changes in consumption and purchase behavior, all of these things have led to more real-time decisions in terms of brand choice or whatever that may be. So as marketers, that means we have to not market for the moment of truth. We have to market in the moment of truth, meaning in that decision. So I may look at something on Facebook and rather than Instagram and rather than going there searching for something, it may come across me based on my predictive analytics and I may discover something that I buy right then. So in terms of in the moment, it changes the way that we have to think about the types of content, the way we message the content, the way we position the content and the advertising. So I think for us, 
what we're really looking at as an agency is looking at how do we market in the moment, not for the moment, based on the real-time nature of marketing and consumption. So just to further clarify it, for the moment is saying you can actually predict when somebody's going to purchase something. And so everything is around targeting that one moment where somebody's going to buy something. You're saying currently, because of the fragmentation, because everything's so real-time, it's to really just capture people in the moment, and they might or might not buy but you just have to be there and present to capture their purchase. Right, and if you look at it, the channels for purchase were not there. Unless you were sort of HSN back in the day or a TV infomercial, I was sitting there and I was consuming your content that I'm the next time in the purchase environment, in mm -hmm. the store, in the retail environment. Today, I gotta market in the moment, even if I'm a TV ad, because in the moment I can sit there and I can add to cart, right, right. from mobile. In the moment in social, when it comes across my feed, I can buy it now. All of these different things have shaped the way that we need to think about marketing and advertising as marketers. So when you work on a campaign, how long is that campaign? What's that time horizon? It sounds like you're continuously evolving and refining, but what does engagement look like in terms of managing an ad campaign? Yeah, so most campaigns today are some form of an evergreen campaign with supplementary events. And it used to be the other way. It's focusing mm -hmm. on an event and you have supplementary evergreen branding like master right. brand swipe messaging. We're constantly evolving that message, but we're trying to stay top of feed all the time because mm -hmm. content's being consumed. I think the average adult looks at something, their phone like 30 times a day. So at least, and I think for me, that'd be a gross <laughs> exponential understatement, right? So when it comes to that, evergreen, everything is evergreen. Like if we're not top of feed, then we don't really exist. It used to be if Google can't find you, then you don't exist. And then it was like if Facebook can't find you, well, if you're not top of feed, right, then you're not top of mind because I'm constantly being engaged. So for us, we have evergreen campaigns that are running. We obviously, if it's a new brand, there's a launch and there's a lead up and a go to market. But evergreen campaigns are always coming up and looking at how are we pivoting? How are we targeting? But the other thing is the remarketing. So we're constantly refining. So we may start an awareness campaign through what we call reach expansion. So we take organic content. We, we pay to expand the reach on it on okay. Instagram, more people in that target. Well, when we send people from that reach expansion campaign, that builds awareness and that awareness may bring them to site to a landing page. Well, once we pixel them or cookie them on the site, that just gave us new data to further refine our audience. We're remarketing, we're taking those people that hit site, we're building lookalike audiences and mm -hmm. new campaigns based on that targeted messaging. So literally every month or every day or every week, we can sit there and refine those campaigns and it's constantly getting smarter and better. Very exciting. Yeah. It sounds like you can never really sit still. No, but that's great. Like that's what's so exciting for, for marketers and advertisers yeah. and researchers. Like if you use the tools that the consumers are using, then we're able to understand things in a very, very nuanced way that's going to build brands and like really propel brands forward. For me, if a brand, especially a small or medium-sized business right now, they can't afford to not be putting nearly all of their budget in the social space. It's the best ROI hands down when it comes to traffic to site, impressions, awareness, brand building, and conversions. Well, you just have so many real-time metrics that you can pull and understand real-time how something's performing, which in traditional media is very hard to do. Yeah, and it's not an exact science in digital, but you know what? At least I can recoup part of my dollars spent. I can actually track if it's been consumed, and then I actually get data back. So because I cookie or pixel them, I get 
return on that investment that I made, that dollar for that click, right? If they leave an email, I get more return on that. If I can email them then, then I get return on it. And then eventually, like, I've gotten all the pieces of return back and then I get a conversion. Right. So the ability to actually maximize the ROI on that dollar, or in this case, pennies, is huge. So tell me, have you had any aha moments about millennials in this whole process of shifting from primarily consumer or market intelligence and research to digital marketing? What's interesting is their purchase behaviors have grown up in terms of they, you know, there's the whole, all the concepts of, you know, millennials aren't loyal, X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. They just expect an equal playing field. Democratize media. So they want to democratize the brand. Meaning like you be real with me, you give me something, I'll give you something. Right. You give me free this and I'll give you my attention and I'll give you attention of my audience by posting uh, about your brand on Instagram. So I think people forget that they grew up and they also spend a lot of money. Right. And, and do they spend money? Because a couple of years ago, oh my gosh, millennials are levered with so much debt from student loans. They're not buying houses. They're not buying cars. They're settling in later. Have you seen a shift? Well, if they're not buying houses and they're not buying cars, they're buying something. They're paying $1,000 to go to Coachella. They're paying to stay in Airbnbs. They're paying you know, for five pairs of glasses at Warby Parker. They're paying for the tiny sunglass movement. They're paying at Anthropology. Right all these other brands that are thriving. And yeah, they may not be buying houses, but they're spending it in other ways, things of that nature to take Instagram selfies at. It's true. I mean, what the research has also showed is that millennials love experiences and great Mm -hmm. experiences. And what you just pointed out was exactly that. And digital experiences. Yes. So I think in living in, in New York City has its advantages because you get to see all the crazy stuff that comes out first and all the experiments and all the pop-ups and things. And experience has, has really changed because the brand experience starts when I stumble upon you on, on Instagram feed or when somebody takes a screenshot and texts it to me. So it's really, really interesting to see that the brands that are really targeting and driving experience around things versus just a retail experience. If you look at like Domino's Pizza, right? Mm -hmm. They did the whole campaign around like, if you mess up your pizza, we'll give it free or something like that. But then they also did the campaign where they had people reporting potholes in their neighborhood (laughs) and they went around and fixed potholes, right? Yes. It's a brand experience. They don't do quote unquote retail, use their brand and created a positive experience for social good and now monetize that for brand equity. That's genius. That was brilliant. Yeah. And you're reminded every time you walk by. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Ben, something I've been so impressed with your community service and your helping of others. Can you talk a little bit more about what you do outside of running your own company and speaking all over the country from a service perspective? Oh yeah, that's my favorite topic actually. I mean, it's easy to make a buck. It's hard to make a difference, right? Yes, I totally Um, agree with that. So first, I think there's, there's a few different things. Big Brothers Big Sisters is near and dear to my heart. I've been a big brother going on two years now. My same little brother here. Awesome. In New York. It's a phenomenal program. I highly suggest it. Fly almost 100,000 miles a year. So if I can do it, everybody can do it too. It doesn't take as much time as you think. And it's super easy and fun. And I also serve as the president of their Young Professionals Committee. I helped start an event back in Dallas, actually, that I'm there for the Warren Center which is an amazing, amazing, amazing group in Richardson, Texas, which helps families with children with developmental delays. So speech, motor, autism, Down syndrome, and they help the whole family. So 
whether it's therapies, sensory training, counseling, both for the child, but yeah. also for the family. And I came up with this idea for an event called the Art of Music. And so we launched it. It's on its third year now. Where Congratulations. We- Thanks. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's not me. I gave, I was, I was great in that I had this idea. I said, let's bring this to life. And then I moved to New York. Oh no! Uh, so Tara and her team uh, at the Warren Center, they're the ones that really, really make this happen. But we basically take a topic and a theme each year and we give that to five musicians and they okay. each compose an original composition and we record Uh, produce and record each of those five compositions and give them to five different visual artists. So painters, sculptor, X, Y, Z, and they each create an original work of art inspired by the piece of music that they get. We come together and we have an amazing dinner gala and we perform each of the five pieces and auction off the art live and just have a great night to raise money for the Warren Center. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I so believe, especially in being an entrepreneur as well, that giving back is such an important component to anything we do. Partly we have the flexibility of time, we have the passion, the drive, but it's definitely one of my passions as well. So I commend you on that. Well, thank you. And I appreciate that. And I think we're indebted to society more than anyone else. I mean, things have their issues, but I think that uh, the ability for us to be able to do what we're doing is, is a special ability that's given to us by what we're able to experience and go out on our own and do things. And I totally agree with you. And I think that the other thing is, is that we can complain all we want about with things that are messed up, but we can also spend our time in a more productive way and giving back. Or we can go out like dominoes and fix some freaking potholes. That's right. (laughs) Ben, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. And I just, I appreciate it. I love what you're doing. I think it's great to also give people a platform to share their expertise. So likewise, I I commend you for what you're doing and thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Do you want to tell people where they can find you on social? Yeah, absolutely. So pretty much anywhere you can find me at Benjamin Smithy, uh, Benjamin and then Smithy Smith with two E's on the end on Instagram. And then if you find me there, you can find me anywhere else. You can find us at the smithygroup.com or bensmithy.com. Sounds great. Thank you, Ben. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.datagurusepodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.datagurusepodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.